and they'd be like, oh, tell me more, tell me more. And I realized, wow, people, people would love to also have access to this. So I started to share these sort of epiphanies and aha moments and recommendations and learning lessons on LinkedIn. Hey friend, it's David Nabinsky here in New York City. So excited for this podcast episode with Kim Kaup. Kim is the co-founder and now CEO of the Superfan Company uh, that she founded with her co-founder nine years ago. Uh, she's also Forbes 30 under 30. She and her co-founder presented the company on Shark Tank, and she's proud to be an accidental entrepreneur and firmly believes that everybody can be an entrepreneur no matter where they are and how old they are. Um, she also talks about how she was able to separate the company and her well-being, um, which is super important and one of the benefits of having a portfolio career. Uh, I also learned about Kim through her Coffee with Kim content series that she started in 2018. It's now a LinkedIn Live show. Most recently, she interviewed 2019 Miss USA, Chesley Christ. Uh, she teaches many courses on LinkedIn, primarily around entrepreneurship. Uh, her content on LinkedIn and Instagram is just super engaging and helpful. Uh, and I'm so excited for you to learn from her here. As always, this episode with timestamp notes is available on my website at PortfolioCareerPodcast.com. There you can also subscribe to my newsletter called One Email Away that provides referable job opportunities, projects, and other generous gives. So excited for you to build and grow your portfolio career. Here we go with Kim. Uh, well, welcome to the show, Kim. Thank you so much. One place I'd love to start off with just be is, you know, your company is around fan engagement and people being obsessed with certain things. What's uh, what's the latest obsession of yours? The longest lasting is Harry Potter. Love me some Harry Potter. Um, most recent obsession is F1, the Netflix show. I have never watched F1. I, you know, I grew up in South Florida, which is big NASCAR, but I never grew up watching that. And a friend recommended this show. And I was like, oh, I don't really like cars. I don't really like, like fast, you know, that's not my interest. And she said, even if you don't like cars, even if you don't think you like it, give it a go. And she was so right. I, I'm so involved now in the different drivers and their storylines. And yeah, if you haven't watched it, I would highly recommend. There's two seasons on Netflix. Amazing. All right. But after, after people are listening to this, maybe they'll, they'll go jump into that. So good. It's worth it. I'm telling you. <laughs> especially yeah. now that we don't have sports so it kind of it makes you feel like sports are still a thing but mm -hmm. not quite <laughs> and speaking of well we don't have sports we still have coffee for most people and uh one of the main ways that i learned about you and your work was through coffee with kim and very original title right <laughs> had to had to stretch for that one and i think it started around 2018 and uh, just be curious as to uh, kind of how you got started with that and how it's kind of evolved. I sort of had this epiphany that if you work in entertainment or in business, you end up at a lot of coffee meetings. It's people saying, oh, let's grab a coffee. Oh, you're in LA, let's grab a coffee. And it's sort of become a catch-all phrase for, oh, I want to talk to you about a certain project or oh, I want to catch up or... And so I was going on a lot of coffee meetings with obviously really interesting people. And some of them were clients. Some of them were people that would say, oh, you're in Austin, meet Bob. You guys should grab coffee while you're there. And I was having all sorts of amazing takeaways and aha moments. And they'd recommend a book and I would read that book and it would you know, blow my mind. 
And I realized, wow, I'm, I'm so fortunate to meet with all these amazing people. And the only one that benefits is me, <laughs> which is kind of sad. Uh, but when I would have, you know, drinks or dinner or anything with friends and family, I'd say, oh, well, I met this person, you know, David this week, and he recommended this thing. And, and they'd be like, oh, tell me more, tell me more. And I realized, wow, people people would love to also have access to this. So I started to share these sort of epiphanies and aha moments and recommendations and learning lessons on LinkedIn as I was getting them sort of in real time every Monday. And then I realized after about a year, I was like, well, this is great. And everyone's asking a ton of great questions and here's a follow-up question. And then I was kind of like a messenger. I'd call the person. I'd be like, so somebody asked the follow-up questions. And I was like, now I just feel like a messenger service. And so I thought, why not just bring everybody in. We can all have a coffee meeting and I'm having a coffee meeting with the people that I'd probably be already meeting with coffee anyways, only now it's, you know, us and hundreds of our closest friends from all over the world. And everyone can ask questions in real time to, to these people. And we can have all the sort of aha moments and tips and tricks together. So it's been, it's been since I would say April that I started having people join me and that I started doing it live, which is a whole nother scary thing because before I was <laughs> taping it. So if you like have a bad tape, you just edit it out or do it again. Um, but there's no doing that in live. You just have to like be on. Uh, so it's been, it's been a challenge, but it's been super fun. Mm-hmm. And one thing that I love about it is in addition to the insights and uh, the community that you're building and stuff is just the idea of like putting yourself out there. And I know that you're a big advocate for uh, empowering people to just kind of start where they are and put themselves out there. So maybe can you speak to that, to the person that's out there uh, that wants to get out there and wants to get started and kind of build their own brand and build relationships and things of that nature? You know what? It's so funny. So when I became an entrepreneur, everyone was like, you know, oh, the hardest part might must be coming up with the idea and executing it and funding and all this stuff. And I was like, you know what the hardest part is? Talking mm. <laughs> about myself, about the idea, because all what you're doing in any investor meeting or what you're doing in any presentation or what is you're really presenting yourself. And you're trying to convince a group of people that one, I'm not a complete wackadoodle. So there's that. And two, Hey, I actually have an idea that's not awful. And and so that, and for people who consistently find public speaking to be quite terrifying, the thought of entrepreneurship where you are speaking about yourself, about your business all the time, it's like, you don't have time to be scared because that's all you're doing all day, every day. And I realized that so many of my friends, whether they worked in corporate or entrepreneurship or in, in other small businesses, you're all constantly pitching yourself. So you're mm-hmm. pitching your idea or I want to do this for the marketing team or the tech team wants this. And so really advocating for yourself and, and getting comfortable with saying, here's what I think and here's what I want to do and here's how I want to present myself. It's really tough. <laughs> It's really tough and it's it's a it's a mind game and it's hard to kind of get over that hump. And so I realized that through a lot of the questions and people that I was mentoring, 
it wasn't the questions that you thought it wasn't going to be. It wasn't like, well, I'm having trouble with figuring out the development of the app. It wasn't that. It was, I have to talk to this investor on Thursday and I'm freaking out. Like it was more of those questions. And so that's really kind of when I realized, huh, we're all thinking the same things in our head, but no one's really saying it. So, so let me just like air the dirty laundry and let's talk about it. And did, did improv help you a lot to continue to put yourself out there more? I love the idea of improv for anybody in sales, for anybody doing entrepreneurship. I just think it's so perfect because an improv, for anyone who's not familiar, one of the key sort of practices in improv is using this tactic where everyone's going around forming this story and you have to keep the story going. You can't end the story and you have to say, and then, so if you said, I saw a hippo walking across the street, I would say, and then the hippo got a glass of lemonade. And then someone else would say, and then the hippo got the lemonade and made a lemonade stand. And, and that is so much of business is that you get into these rooms or you get in front of people and things don't go according to plan. In fact, things go sideways and you have to just kind of say, and then, you know, we got to keep, you can't just go like a deer in headlights and go, Ooh, I didn't think this was going to happen. Oh no. You know, you got to just keep rolling with the punches and not only rolling with the punches, but making it look like, okay, I'm somewhat of a duck. You know, I'm panicked on the bottom, but on the top, this is fine. Everything's fine. You know, it's like the meme of the little dog with the coffee and everything's burning. And he's like, this is fine. So that has to be you all the time in, in business, if you're an entrepreneur, but then also in sales and in so many of these other functions. And do you practice improv regularly or is there any other kind of, I, I don't anymore. It would be quite fun. I don't, I don't do it much anymore, but I have every couple of years gotten coaches or done courses on public speaking. And I definitely think that it's one of those things that you can always get better at. One thing I'm working on right now is I have noticed in the coffee with Kim's when I watch them again is I sometimes say the word like too much and I hear myself and I'm saying, no, don't say it again. So it's really helpful even still. And, and I've been public speaking for years. And so I say that to people only to point out that the journey's never over. You, you don't just get to kick up your feet and go, well, that's done with. It's, it's a constant work in progress. Totally. Um, well, they're great. And well, thank you, you. Say, uh, to the listeners, you say like a lot less than you think probably. Thank you. Well, and that's another, I mean, we're so critical of ourselves, right? I mean, I can remember being in middle school and hearing my own voice on the voicemail and, and saying, whoa, my own voice. I still haven't changed mine since high school. I would recommend you don't because then you'll hear it as you <laughs> re-record it and you'll be like, no. Um, and so it's, it's really tough to watch yourself. But I took on this mindset of, I don't know if you've ever watched one of those ESPN 30 for 30 documentaries on the football teams, or if you watched The Last Dance with Michael Jordan that came out a couple months ago. 
but a lot of these really famous sports players, they all rewatch their games. And, you know, Michael Jordan will sit there with the coach and say, see, you went left, you should have gone right. Or, you know, you zigged and you should have zagged. And they study themselves so that the next game or the next, you know, match or whatever it is, they get better. And I thought, well, if Tom Brady and Michael Jordan and all these famous people are doing this, then it's probably not a terrible idea. And so now whenever I do any sort of public speaking, I always try to make a point to watch it afterwards. Okay, where did I zig? Maybe I should have zagged and constantly re-watching it to, to get better. And so I tell people all the time, if there's an opportunity to record yourself, especially now that we're home and you know, a lot of people are giving presentations via Zoom, if you can set up your phone just next to your computer to record yourself giving the Q3 marketing presentation, it's probably not a bad idea to just re-watch yourself and say, here's some things I would change. Yeah, it's, uh, so I edit my own podcast uh, and it's like, I go back to it too and I can, I learn and I study and, you know, in addition to learning more about the insights that you share, I learn about, you know, how did I show up and how could have I, you know, zigged and zagged a little bit differently. And you're probably constantly learning. It's probably a constant learning process for you. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, So grateful that able to do it because of special people like you, Kim. Wow, man. Thanks. (laughs) (laughs) Appreciate it. So speaking of improv, uh, one of the ideas I also wanted to talk to you about was around this idea of around being an accidental entrepreneur. And uh, so one thing that I love about your work is like how even though you're building a company, you've also been building your own body of work and, you know, the community and putting yourself out there and stuff like that and doing both. And, but also this idea of being an accidental entrepreneur, maybe talk to us a little bit about what that, what that means. Yeah. It's interesting. So, well, two things. One, I think it's a lesson that I had to learn probably, I would say like three years into the business you, I was 25 when I started the business. And so my identity and the business were very intertwined. If the business was having a good day, I was having a good day. And if the business had a bad day, I had a bad day. And it took me about two years and a lot of self-help books to realize you are not the business. And you hear doctors talk about this a lot. If they lose two patients and then they go home and they want to play with their kids, they kind of have to leave the loss and the devastation of the day at the hospital or at the doctor's office. And when they go home, they have to be dad or a husband or, you know, they have to be this themselves. And I was realizing it it wasn't healthy to identify the business and me as a singular function, I really needed to separate the two so that if the business had a bad day, I wasn't going home and drowning myself in red wine and cookie dough. Both are delicious in moderation, not consumed in the quantity that I was consuming them in. And so that type of separation was really like, okay, Kim is not the business. And not only that, the business has a fantastic team and I would be nothing without them. So it it really is two separate things. And in terms of the accidental entrepreneur, that's something that I purposely always make sure is front and center, always want to put in front of anything and, and quite often have to argue with people about it because I've had people try to delete it 
from my bio, they say, oh, you know, we can only have 40 words and we want those words to be like Forbes 30 under 30 and Shark Tank and all this stuff. And I'm like, no, 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 you, you can fit accidental, squeeze it on in. And, and I think it's, I'm so bullish about it. And I, I think it's so important because I think so many people when they're, maybe they're 25, like I was, or 35 or 45 or 65 for all I know, they think, well, it's over for me. It, I, I could have started a business when I was Mark Zuckerberg's age and I was in college, or if I was Jack Dorsey and I was, you know, just out of university, I could have started Twitter. But now that I'm 40, life's over. Or, um, well, I don't have that entrepreneurial gene. I didn't, you know, Gary Vee and some of these amazing entrepreneurs always talk about, well, I was hustling as a kid. I had a lemonade stand. I had a lawn mowing conglomerate with other kids in the neighborhood, or I had a babysitting ring or selling candy at the back of the bus. And like, I was buying the pink starburst at a ridiculous markup at the back of the bus. Okay. Like I wasn't the one selling it. I didn't have a babysitting ring. I never wanted to be an entrepreneur. I never thought I would be an entrepreneur. That's not something that was even on my radar. And I think that's important to say because I think so many of the success stories that we typically hear about, um, it's like that Maybelline commercial, like maybe they're born with it. Like maybe you're born with it and you're either born with that gene or you're not. And if you're not, then you know entrepreneurship just isn't for you. And I just, I fundamentally don't believe that that's true. And I think that you can work a corporate job like I did. I think you can work a corporate job for as long as you want and still start your own company if that's the decision that you want to make. People are trying to delete it? People are trying to delete it. I think they think that it's um, not as important. And I think a lot of people want, they want to sell the success story, right? Like they want to sell the airbrushed version. So when I say like, no, add the pimple back, they're like, add the pimple back. <laughs> Why? <laughs> and it's like, no, I want the pimple. Like I want, I don't want it to be airbrushed. I don't want it to look like this was easy. And I, I was born with this and it was so great. No, it, I wasn't born with it. And it was an accident. And best accident ever. Yeah. It's also a very empowering lesson to anybody that's listening to say, you know, start small, start where you are and you kind of never know. And it doesn't have to be a really successful company like yours. Uh, it can be where, wherever you are. And uh, if it's fulfilling to you, if it's fulfilling to, that's all that really matters. I think. Totally. You picking your own. I mean, this is a lesson. I'm 34 years old. I feel like I'm still learning this lesson you define success. And I think a lot of people, at least it's happened to me, whether it's, you know, maybe it's your friends, your parents or advisors or whoever saying, well, you know, you should do this and you should do that. And this would be a good goal for you and this. And at the end of the day, I have a friend, she could have been successful at any job that she wanted in the world, hands down. And she said, all I want to do, the only thing that's going to make me happy is, is I want to go be a first grade teacher, period. I don't want to be a principal. I don't want to start as a teacher and work my way up to vice principal and then be principal. And then, you know, first grade, 
that's it. Live in the dream, like love and life. And so I think sometimes we get caught up in the like, what's next, what's next, and how am I going to be successful? And that's other people's expectations. If all you want to do is have a side business on Etsy, go you, you know, that's great. If all you want to do is consult three days a week and the other two days a week be a stay at home dad, that's great. It's like, you have to define your own success because I'll tell you what, at the height, height, height of like us trajectory up, everyone else was like, you're so successful. This is so great. I was miserable. Mm. I was so miserable living up to other people's definition of success and not my own definition of success. So I'm like, great. Everyone around me is happy and I'm miserable. (laughs) this cannot be good. And it wasn't until I started changing that script that I was like, oh, now I'm happy. And what was, what did you start to change? I really started to change how I showed up and how I measured success. So for example, when we were at our height, I think we had a 16 person team and people were like, do a round of funding, expand to 30 people, then 50 people, then, and I can remember going home for the holidays and just sort of sitting in my childhood bedroom. My, my mom had gone to sleep, sort of sitting with my own thoughts. And I had this sort of, again, aha, like epiphany moment. And it was, you can be good at something and not like it. I was a good manager, if I do say so myself. People might not agree with that, but I think I was pretty decent. I was a pretty good manager, but I didn't enjoy it. Like I didn't like it. I didn't like having big teams. I I liked having small teams. I didn't I didn't want the thought of a 50-person team made me want to vomit. I was like, that's the last thing I want. And I came back from holiday and I looked at my co-founder and I just said, I I don't want that. I don't want 16 people. I don't want 50 people. I don't want anything like that. And, you know, now I have a four person team and I could not be happier, but I think other people from the outside would say, well, what a disappointment you went from 16 people to four, but I look at it as what a win. I'm so happy. And so I think that that's like a small example, but I think really getting comfortable by saying, these are the things that are going to make me happy. And I don't care if people think that I'm a weirdo. So what? Let me be a happy weirdo. The business serves you as opposed to you serving the business. Totally. And, and is that, has that started to free you up more to then do a lot of other projects like Miss USA and? <laughs> no, <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm really lucky. My, I have the most amazing team. Um, Abby and Carly and Amy on my team are, are unbelievable, powerhouse, phenomenal, amazing women. And I am so impressed and pushed by them every day to kind of keep up the pace. And I think that, you know, it's definitely as you explore different parts of yourself, you have to give up 
other parts of yourself. So as I'm, you know, doing things like Miss USA or creating a course for LinkedIn, yeah, those are the months where maybe I don't see my friends as much. And maybe those are the months where I don't get to go to the gym as much. And I don't get to, you know, go visit my parents in Florida as much. I'm one of those people, I don't think you can have it all. I don't think work-life balance is real. I think you have work-life choices you can choose, but you can't have everything. And so I think for all of those sort of extracurricular activities, you have to be okay with giving up, you know, maybe some other ones that you really like. Work-life choices. Work-life choices. I mean, I'm sure you feel it too, editing this and a podcast and getting guests and whatever, that takes time. And that time you could be spending sitting in the park or reading a book and you can't be sitting in the park reading book and be editing a podcast. It's impossible. So you have to make a choice to not do one and do the other. Yeah. Uh, I really like doing this, but yeah, there definitely is like the, the, I remember in the beginning there was like some Fridays and Saturday nights and I was like, I just actually really like doing this. Like I just had an amazing conversation. I want to keep learning from it and people let's do something something else. And I was like, eh, I'm no. okay. Yeah. Yeah. And you have to really follow what makes you happy and you have to say, okay, Friday night, what makes me happy is staying in. But you might have another friend who's like that David, what a weirdo. <laughs> Why is he staying in and working more instead of, you know, coming across the street to the bar. And so that's the type of thing that you have to just be like, no, I'm, I'm happy. Let me be happy. <laughs> yeah. I'm okay being the weirdo. Um. <laughs> Me too. Totally fine. One thing that's also been uh, really impressive uh, with the business is uh, how much technology has changed and how all these different social platforms. But what I think has been going on, it's been really consistent, it's just been relationships. And so I'd be curious as to, yeah, how, how do you develop relationships? How do you build trust? How do you um, even though the technology may be changing of Instagram algorithm and things of that nature. But yeah, any thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, I think for for the business, for the company, what we've always relied on in terms of marketing or promotions or any sort of stuff like that is we said we're, and we said this pretty, pretty early on, we're going to go full throttle on word of mouth. Like that's going to be our lane. That's going to be our thing. And so we aim to super, super, super serve. Like we want to end the project with you and have you not only say that was a great experience. I look like a rock star. It didn't take me that much time, but I am so happy. I'm going to go tell three friends because that to us, what we realized really early on is it's powerful. And, and we're seeing it now more in the social media space in terms of influencers and marketing and, oh, you know, they told me to buy this lemonade or they told me to buy this t-shirt or whatever it is. And I think that that obviously that's a very overt example of it, but that's a human condition. We've been doing that for years of Hey, did you hear about that new restaurant in Cobble Hill? You got to check it out. Like, you know, you're, you're always trying to share with your friends and your family something fun and new and cool that you did or that you liked or a movie you watched. And 
So I think for us, it was really taking that psychology and applying it to business and saying, how do we make sure that when people leave us or, or leave this experience that they say that was so great. And so I want to go talk about it and recommend it to people that I work with or, or industry contacts that I know. And I think that's something that I've really also thought about in terms of my connections and my network. I've had business advisors tell me all the time not to do things and I still do them. You know, I've, I've put together people that million dollar deals were made out of the connections that I fostered and I didn't get anything. I didn't ask for a cut. I didn't ask for a percentage. I didn't ask for royalty because, you know, somewhere in some, uh, karma ridden universe, I, I do think that it all comes back around. And I do think that those two people will remember, thank God, Kim put us together. And we did this multi-million and, and maybe five years from now, maybe 10 years from now, maybe two months from now, when an opportunity comes up that I might be a fit for, they will think of me and they will think of the super fan company. And they will say, that's somebody that we should call for this. And so I think that too often people go for the low hanging fruit and they go for the, I have to be cut in on this deal and I have to get my percentage. And I think it's such a long game. And I think especially for those of us born in the the eighties and the nineties kids, we are going to be working for a long time, like not to get depressing, but social security, honey, ain't not going to be around for us. So we are going to be working until we are like 70 years old, probably longer. So, you know, it's the long game. You're going to be in this industry, whether it's marketing or advertising or medical sales or whatever for the next, you know, 50 years. So so you might want to, um, not burn any bridges and not cut any corners and and maybe do some things, even if they make no sense, because it'll pay off for you in the long run. Yeah. Um, one of the, uh, I think the first copy with Kim, I think was, uh, you talked about handwritten notes mm. and, and I love this idea of how people are kind of like one email away from kind of serendipity and luck and a handwritten note is a, is a wonderful example of, showing how much you really care and reach, reaching out to somebody. Do you have any examples of you know, handwritten notes that either you've received or how luck and serendipity has kind of played into some opportunities? Oh, I mean, so many times. I, I think handwritten notes are huge. I'm a sucker for them. We, I do them all the time. I think that they're really powerful. I think people get thousands and hundreds of emails a day and they check their mail and all they're getting is American Express bills. <laughs> so, you know, something nice coming in the mail is maybe an Amazon box or five, but for the most part, they're not getting a ton of, of handwritten mail. It can really help you stand out. I think my mom was an English teacher and sort of drilled in the handwritten notes from a young age. So I'll probably do that until I die. And I think it can provide a lot of luck and a lot of physical presence in someone's space. They're actually holding something that you sent. And, you know, I always have like cards next to me that people have sent kind of on my desk or up. And so you can, I've walked into people's offices. I walked into um, an industry contacts office 
probably six months after January, one year, seven months. It was like the middle of the year and I had sent out New Year's cards. I never do holiday cards. I always plan on doing it and then it gets crazy and I never have time. So they just set up as New Year's cards. I'm, I'm fully on board with it now, but I had sent cards in January and I, yeah, I walked into his office. It was probably like July or August and there was my card on the back of his, he had like a little coffee table type thing behind him. And it, there was some, a couple other cards there. And I said, Oh, you, you know, you have it. And it, it had like a funny saying on it. He goes, yeah, you know, I just think this saying is so funny and it was so nice of you. And um, he goes, yeah, every time people walk in and they comment on it, I say like, look at this, Kim sent this to me. I had had unbeknownst to me for eight months, a billboard for lack of a better word in a pretty high profile person's office that every single person that commented, Oh, what a funny saying or whatever it was. Oh, that was Kim Kalb. That was Kim Kalb. That was Kim Kalb. And you can't pay for that type of luck or marketing or whatever. You know, that's just pure, pure, uh, accident really. And so I think that that people going after that magic and going after that luck and having doors open for those serendipity moments, I think that they're really, really powerful. And a lot of times people think, well, I'm not going to meet with this person or I'm not going to take this phone call because it doesn't make sense. And I think that's true sometimes, but I also do try to take those calls because I think, well, you never know, maybe it could be something. It took it took a chance here, so I'm really grateful exactly. for that. Exactly, and who knows if magic will come out of this? You never know. Yeah, I can't wait. Is there anything else that you think that we missed? I love the idea of people learning. I think that curiosity is one of the best traits. I always tell people if you're in an interview or something, and somebody says like, "Name me one of your best." qualities. If you say curiosity, that person's ears are going to perk up and be like, ding, 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 because the willingness to learn and the willingness to be curious and adapt and grow, you cannot enforce that in people. I've tried, other entrepreneurs have tried. You cannot force people. People have to be willing to change and learn. And so I think when you constantly stay curious and you constantly are trying to learn, whether that's by following certain people on LinkedIn or following certain people on Instagram that are bringing value and teaching you something and you learned a new thing or you got a new recommendation or you're exploring your own little ideas. You know, I built a whole course with LinkedIn called Entrepreneurship Foundations and I love the fact that people watch it, not necessarily because they want to start their own business, although they could very much so after watching it, but you know, well, I always did have that idea. You know, I always did think that, you know, maybe that could be kind of fun to do. And even if they don't plan on pursuing it, learning, spending an hour and sitting down and learning, I think that is so important. I learn stuff that doesn't make sense all the time. Like I'll sit down and say, well, I've never learned how to properly cut an onion. So let me watch this YouTube video. Now, am I going to go be a world-class chef? No. Does anyone really care how I cut an onion? No, but I learned and now I, I cut it a lot better now. And it's just little things like that. And it seems so silly and it seems so small, but 
getting that muscle of, of learning, it's going to be helpful because then when you're sitting in your job as a vice president and somebody says, well, I think we're going to have to get an entire new computer system for the whole company. Instead of your reaction being like oh, a new computer system, oh, I'm going to have to learn all this stuff all over again. You're going, great. I can learn a new computer system. No problem. And it starts with like the onion video, you know, and, and you work that muscle up just like you would your, you know, your biceps or something. And I think working that muscle of learning and working that muscle of curiosity, no matter how old you are, no matter what type of work you do is invaluable. If you're, if you want to show up and keep adapting in these, in these changing times that we find ourselves in. Mm-hmm. And you have a course on that too, navigating, yes. navigating change. So people can go there, check that out. Where else uh, can people follow up and keep learning uh, from you, Kim? Yeah, I spend an exorbitant amount of time on Instagram, (laughs) probably too much according to my mother. Uh, But I think it's really fun and it's a fun, direct way to connect with people. And yeah, I, I would say there, I would say LinkedIn. And I have an email newsletter that I do every other week. Of again, things that I've learned or picked up. And so any of those, whether it's inbox or social media or platform. Amazing. Thank you so much, Kim. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Appreciate you having me. Hey, friend. Thanks again for tuning in to another episode of Portfolio Career Podcast. Wanted to also let you know about my monthly newsletter called One Email Away, where I fundamentally believe that we are all one email away from new opportunities. And if there's a way that I could potentially help you to connect with other people, I would love to do that. So one email away, um, you can sign up for my newsletter on my website at PortfolioCareerPodcast.com. You can also see the one email away section. But just want to take this moment to say thank you for, for listening to this episode. Really excited for us to build and grow our portfolio careers together. 